Hello there and welcome to the Storymakers Institute. Conversations, analysis and dispatches from the front lines of storymaking. If you haven't yet signed up for the Storymakers Institute on Substack, then you're only getting half of the story. For all the details, head to the storymakersinstitute.substack.com. And today in this episode, we're going to hear from a man who for the last 10 years has played an icon in a cultural monolith. From New Zealand to Singapore, from Australia to Abu Dhabi, Andre Jusen has performed the role of Zazu in the internationally touring production of The Lion King, which has been seen by millions of people the world over. So what does it take to turn up night after night and play such an iconic character in so many different cultural contexts? Well, in this episode of the Storymakers Institute, we're going to hear from this Australian performer about the joys and challenges of finding life and a connection in a story, especially when you've performed it over 1,500 times. This is the Storymakers Institute with Joel Carnegie. Zazu's most favourite thing to say. Oh, that's uh, no, probably. <laughs> no, <laughs> especially when, especially when the young cubs are involved. What has it been like to play such an iconic character in so many different kind of cultural contexts? That's an interesting question. Um, it's it's very interesting. Uh, it, it's also a character, I guess, that is so kind of well-known as well. That's the other thing. I always sort of feel like our job as um, as actors working on a, a piece of fiction that is so beloved and so well known around the world is that we we need to kind of meet an audience's expectations as well as bringing our own kind of spirit to the role i think there is also something about kind of filling it in a way that that makes sense and that is expected by an audience i think otherwise it just sort of is a bit kind of strange and confusing for them um but i've found I found that audiences in parts of the world where where an audience is familiar with the British buffoon, that's the place where they love Zazu. They love Zazu in those places. In Singapore, they loved him, for example. In New Zealand, they loved him. In the Philippines, they they enjoyed Zazu, but they were much the audience was much more connected to Timon and Pumbaa. There was sort of something about the American rat-a-tat kind of sense of humour um, that, uh, and that kind of double act that really appealed to the, to the Filipinos. And Zazu was sort of there and fine, but in Singapore he, they, he really kind of took off. So I think it's in those countries that have a really strong, still a strong memory of colonialism, I think, um, he really resonates because that that kind of yeah that kind of British pomposity is is a really familiar uh, a really familiar thing. What an incredible discovery to have when and this is clearly not something that you anticipated <laughs> when you when you turned up and yet here you are when you know you, you're you're placing a story from somewhere else into a different cultural context and all of a sudden there's all this overlay that goes on top of it that you're not even aware of. Absolutely. Yeah, that's right. Because this production is kind of, the cast is kind of, and the crew, we're we're pulled from all over the place. I think there's 
18 different nationalities, which makes us easily the most diverse Lion King company in the world. We all bring our own cultural sensibilities and our own cultural norms and we this this sort of version of the show has been has been crafted through all of those all of those kind of cultural layers which I think makes for a really spirited and interesting version of this show. So do you suggest that you know if you go and see the Lion King in London versus the Lion King in New York versus the Lion King in the Middle East that you would actually see three different very different shows? There's a lot about the show that would feel identical and probably depending on how familiar you are with theatre and how familiar you are with this particular show, they might seem the same. Um, But certainly to me, I've seen the show, I was part of the show in Australia on the Australian tour um, several years ago now and I've seen the show in London and in New York and look, for my money there is something about this this tour that is full of south african voices to start with all of this all of this kind of um traditional choral music is it, it it's written by a south african it 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 is written with the south african um aesthetic in mind and and when you hear it sung by a group of South Africans, it is, it's something else. In, on some levels, you know, there's not a lot of room to move for us as actors. The, the, the blocking is, is what it is. The, the lighting design was designed 25 years ago and the guy won a Tony for it. So it's not going to change, you, you, you know. So um, therefore, you need to be in this position at this moment because that's where the light is on a very sort of technical level and also that that's, that's just what the show is. So, so there is a lot of, a lot of restriction, but it's certainly been my experience that within that there's been a great deal of room to play and to find, to find my Zazu. It's, it's kind of been, I guess, about filling an audience's expectation, also filling the producer's expectation of, of what Zazu is, but also being able to, meet that with my imagination and my spirit. What do you and Zazu share? I think we share uh, a sort of a certain kind of uptightedness or something sometimes and probably, yeah, probably a, an instinct to kind of to say no or something. Uh, yeah, I think there's probably some truth to that. But but I think I think also like I think also Zazu's got a really he's got a really beautiful heart actually and he does he does care very much about these cubs and and about his um, his king and um, which is also you uh, yeah that's right that's right maybe not so much about the king but you know like I mean <laughs> King Charles doesn't need your love necessarily but no no I don't think aside. he does I don't <laughs> think he does um, he's look and Zazu's also got a kind of pretty great dry, sarcastic sense of humour, which I think when I'm in, when you catch me on a good day, Joel, and I'm not sure that today is a good day, but we'll find out, I guess, um, that, that I have, I have a similar sense of humour, I think. (laughs) You mentioned uh, a little earlier that this is a, in a way, a, a juggernaut that has existed 
for, for many years and that, you know, there's a certain amount of decisions that have been made before you even turn up into the room. So it was an actor, as a performer, as a creator of new work as well too, uh, your own work. Mm-hmm. How do you balance the kind of that desire to bring your own into the work versus uh, needing to sort of, as you say, turn up onto the right spot night after night, because you would have done this production now many, 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 many times. How do you turn up night after night knowing that these are the set things that I will do here? Does it ever get boring? It gets repetitive. I think that's just the nature of theatre. I think any kind of, well, look, I, I guess if, if theatre is completely improvised and it is very, very different every night, then there's not that sort of same kind of repetition. But in in any kind of established play or anything that you've made and then rehearsed and then put on stage, there's obviously a lot more room for things to change and things to move, but there is still that level of repetition. And the challenge always is how to find life and um and a connection to sort of something that is truthful um when the frame around it is identical every sort of every single time and that challenge is no different on a show like this uh really the, the, the audience is always different the moment is always different and it but it but the those differences are, are fine and they're subtle and it's your choice as to whether you pay attention to them or not. And if you don't, you end up with a a carbon copy, uninspired performance that might be technically great but is but has no heart and has no spirit. And I don't know about you, Joel, but I've, I, I know I've certainly seen my fair share of performers in long-running shows and and I would describe their performance that way, you know. So I hope that that's not how people would describe my work. I, I'm sure sometimes that's probably what I put out at, you know, show number whatever in a certain place and uh, when I'm tired and not at the top of my game, but I hope that that's not generally what I, what I bring, yeah. Well, I think it's actually... A- an exercise of endurance and and in a way you're doing a marathon and not every kilometer of the marathon is going to be as snappy as the previous one. Um, and so I think that's just a a nature of being human is that you're not always going to be on your best, whatever day of the week, let alone having to play someone else. That look, that that's, there is, that's, yeah, that's really true. And I think, you know, that that's kind of the great, the great joy and, and it can be part of the frustration of, of, live theatre, you know, it, it, it is, it, it, it's ephemeral. It exists there in the, in that particular moment. Um, and, and, and that's it. The audience's experience of it is, is there in, in the second. Um, but the sort of flip side of it is, is that if something isn't quite zinging in, in the way that you'd like it to be, there is always the next night and there is always that chance to, Refind it, or, or to find it anew, and um, and and so in that sense, it it does, yeah, it exists, and then it's gone, and then it 
it's it's time for the next one, um, which is yeah something something you have to kind of I think train yourself for a little bit that that it, if it's not perfect in one moment it, it's okay that the yeah there's another chance thankfully. So at the end of the day, when you put Zazu back into the cupboard and you step away from a show which has taken up an enormous amount of your life, what have you learned from both the character and the experience of touring such a well-known show at this scale? It's, it's kind of reaffirmed my faith in, in theatre, I think. There is something so beautiful and joyful and moving about experiencing a story in the flesh with other human beings. A show like The Lion King, I don't think it's too sort of too much to say. It it brings it brings people together. It it, it because it's a story about love and about grief and about finding your way. And those are things that we relate to as human beings and we we relate to a sense of um, of wanting to find our path and, and um, we relate to a sense of loss, we relate to sen- a sense of hope. And, and this show, you know, partly because it, because it is a, a huge cultural monolith and because it is um, a Disney property, it, it reaches places that we have no hope of reaching in our independent theatre world. Families come and see this show. It might be their first experience of theatre together. It might be their last. My, my family and I, my, my mum and my dad and my two sisters, we went to see The Lion King in Sydney in 2004 uh, when it was first in Australia. And, um, and that turned out to be our, our final family holiday together. Mel, my, my, my middle sister, Melanie, she lost her life in a car accident only a few weeks later. And it, it, that, that weekend is so precious and this show was such a kind of significant part of that. We went to Sydney to see the show. It, it, it did all those things that I was talking about before. As a family, we were... We were moved and inspired and amazed and sat there in kind of wonderment and um, and it was the it was the last time we were able to do that as a family and you know ten years later I was on that same stage at the Capitol Theatre and I was in the show and I was bringing that same experience to to countless families and. For some of whom it may well have also been their last, um, their last sort of time, precious time together. So I'm sort of well aware of that, and because it's theatre, it's about people coming together, and I don't know. It 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 feels um, th- this tour and this show and this experience. It all feels really precious. 
The Storymakers Institute is created on Wadawurrung country. Keep the show sustainable and strong by becoming a subscriber on Substack today. With podcast episodes, written analysis and dispatches on storymaking straight to your inbox and Substack app feed. Visit thestorymakersinstitute.substack.com for all the details with annual, monthly, zero-cost and gift subscriptions available. And if you're a free subscriber, make a zero-cost contribution to the show by leaving us a star rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and spread the word about the show. We'd be most grateful. Thanks to Dom Evans on post-production. I'm Joel Carnegie. I'll catch you next time.